0: The Perspective Network is brought to you by BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code WPP. Just pay $5 shipping.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, good brothers, good sisters, welcome back to another great episode of The Revisionist Booking, heard right here on the Wrestling Perspective Network. What shenanigans can Michael Berry and RG get into? Make sure you tune in this week. And as always, let the Revisionist Revolution begin. and gentlemen welcome back to the revisionist booking michael how are you doing today my friend well you know the
0: golden voice is here and he's ready to go uh we have an extra special guest today but uh he's going to grace you with his presence i'm gracing you with mine and as always you're welcome
1: well, you know, I kind of feel a little left out today because I get two gentlemen with a uh, a great voice for podcasting. I'm just the uh, I'm just the schmuck that pushes the record button, you know. But uh, we have the one, the only Matt Coon. Matt, how you doing, man?
2: I am doing fantastic today. And unlike Michael, I have to make my voice actually higher when I talk. It's actually this is actually higher. If I don't. I sound like this and it's very boring so I actually have to kind of make my voice do this to make it a little more interesting but it's always been kind of a curse but in
1: podcasting it's worked out pretty well yeah well you know it's uh, one of those things where you know you do it so often sometimes you just kind of get used to it at some point you know but uh we actually have uh you know the honor of sitting down with you we've had you i've had you on uh, ringside ramp before and you know obviously with uh why it ended and Tooth of consequences we're both avid listeners to the show so it's definitely a pleasure to have you on on this this new show on the wrestling perspective network uh you know obviously we're going over wrestlemania 2 today um, but, uh, you know, just to kind of sit down and chat with you a little bit, first off, Ma- or, uh, Michael, if you, you got anything for him?
0: No, I, I mean, I think, you know, Matt does a wonderful job with both of his shows. Um, you have Why It Ended, which, I mean, that is just an absolutely wonderful show. It's unique, uh, much like, you know, I'm not trying to compare our show to his because we're inviting no means any competition, but it's a unique concept, right? It's, it's a very cool concept where they kind of, you know, really speak with someone and, and go through why it ended or uh, as with his latest episode, why it will never end. So <laughs> I, I really love that show. And then you have uh, Truth With Consequences with Vince Russo, uh, which is, you know, again, an original format. Uh, really, Matt does a good job of, of getting out of Vince a, to that, you um, you know, maybe new stuff that everyone or at least people who maybe haven't uh, listened to the brand um, haven't really heard his perspective or his side, so he gives them that outlet. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well
2: yeah, I definitely appreciate it. I think with why it ended um, what we in any podcast, because as you guys know, the podcast field is extremely crowded right now. And if you're not gonna have a unique concept, you might as well not even try. You know, uh, even with Truth With Consequences, you know, the original concept was kind of Pritchard show with Vince Russo. It it became apparent that that wasn't going to work pretty early on to me just because it was so, um, pardon the expression, revisionist, if you will, that you have to have something original. You have to have a good hook or else you might as well not do anything because there's so many podcasts out there. I mean, I get people who uh, contact me maybe every week now, uh, people whose names you know who say, I want to do a podcast, and I'm like, okay, what's the hook? You know, what's, how's that going to be different? And so um, it, it's a struggle, but I think the key is to be as unique as humanly possible.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things when I first initially brought the idea to Michael, I knew obviously he had to, you know, not to make his head even bigger than it is, um, he has a uh, good wrestling mind, and uh you know he's been you know watching it as long as i have and a lot of people and i'm like you know you can only interview so many people so many times and you can only review raw and smackdown and pay-per-view so many times hey i got this idea for you let's you know go pay-per-views from the past and you know and you know rebook it not to you know you know bury any bookers or promoters or whatever you know and just have some fun with it and you know it's as they say the rest is history you know having fun watching past pay-per-views and whatnot um and uh you know if i can say so myself it's been good so far
0: absolutely absolutely i've had a a blast doing it and we're very uh, lucky to have matt with us today on the show
1: yeah definitely And, uh, you know, obviously going over WrestleMania too. you know, this was historic in its own right, you know, first, uh, uh, obviously being the second WrestleMania, but the first event, you know, to come to us from three separate locations, um, one being the Nassau uh, Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, and the Rosemont Horizon, which was historic later on, and then the LA Memorial Sports Coliseum as well, Uh, you know, for you know combined the three locations was over 40,000 people so that in its right mind in 1986 that was you know that was astonishing in its own right um and then you know you had all these celebrities come in obviously we had the fridge coming in in Chicago we had you know Ricky Schroeder from I I think it was um uh, Silver Spoons Silver Spoons there you go in LA and you know we had as well as uh you know we even had Joe Frazier in New York so you know it's a you know this was you know the initial one of the initial uh, events we had all these celebrities come in um but yeah it was going back and you know watching a little bit of it obviously being a three-hour pay-per-view in 1986 it's like holy man it's just <laughs> it's unreal it's it's a textbook example of a business as a
2: business owner i've actually made this mistake as well where you have some success and you want to expand you expand too quickly i think
1: Things too, where you see a lot of uh, a lot of people nowadays try to, you know, you get these three, four hour pay per views, or even, you know, with like New Japan and uh, Ring of Honor even going today, uh, you know, they're oh we're gonna go a four hour pay per view. It's like eh. okay, you know, you can always you can always do that for so many times, but uh, but you know, let's get into it. You know, we're gonna go. I'll go briefly through and just kind of go over the matches real quick, and then we'll get into our cards. Uh, I'll first start with the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. Uh, We had our first match was the Magnificent Morocco with the introducing Mr. Fuji, taking on Paul Orndorff, uh, which they fought to a double DQ in 4 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, For the most part, you know, I thought it was a pretty much, for the most part, it was a miss, just because, you know, given the Morocco and Orndorff, the history, uh, at this point, um, and then obviously later on, being the great workers that they were, uh, finding a double DQ, you know, I think that was pretty much uh, 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 a miss in my eyes, but.
2: Um, well, Arndorf was red hot. As a face, right? Orndorff came off WrestleMania 1. He was a face. He was doing the Hulk Hogan thing. He was paired up with them. Morocco was a guy who had a lot of staying power who who kept getting little pushes here and there. It seems like not a good idea for either one at the time because if you don't want Morocco Mm -hmm. to lose, don't put him with Orndorff who is going to Turn heel very soon and is going to really be responsible for a lot of huge houses and huge drawing cards. And was the backup plan for Andre at WrestleMania three. It seems like a bad idea all
0: around. Yeah. So, so Matt, I I have a question for you. Going back to Mister Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Do you think, in hindsight, and obviously hindsight being twenty twenty. Was it a misstep on uh, Vince Jr.'s part, WWF's part, to kind of pivot Mr. Wonderful and and kind of align him with Hogan, or even in Hogan's shadow as a face? It worked really well, to be honest with you. Watching it at the time,
2: it was like my first big face turn that I saw. Um, Orndorff was the... Was the um, scapegoat for the loss in WrestleMania One? Uh, it, it perpetuated some great feuds with Rowdy Piper, some great angles with Piper, some great pull-aparts on Wrestling Challenge, as well as the firing, the public firing of Bobby Heenan by Paul Orndorff. He was pretty red hot. Um, he was looked at really as someone who could headline uh, B shows at some point. And him and Piper had a series of matches around the United States that were really great. And uh, and also, it led to the red hot back heel turn again. The whole Orndorff arc there, I think, was a successful one. And as obvious as both turns were, is probably more of a template for good heel and face turns than what we've seen
1: these days. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough, thank you. Yeah. So we'll go move on to our next match, which was for the Intercontinental Championship. We saw the champion, Randy Savage, uh, and going against George the Animal Steel, which Savage going over Steel in five minutes and ten seconds. Obviously, this was a time where we saw uh you know savage doing his whole thing uh with elizabeth with uh george Steele and steamboat later on as we saw at wrestlemania 3 uh you know for the most part you know it was what it was you know savage obviously going over they're you know strapping their rocket to them and taking them as far as uh you know as far as they could go with them at this point but um all in all you know when you're doing three event or three um relocations, you know, sometimes you got to have these guys get the title matches that you normally, hey, you normally you won't see George Steele go after, you know, the IC title, but you know, it, always lovable George steel, Steele, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, for sure. It, it, You know, we'll get into the rebooking, but
2: at the time it made sense, you mm-hmm. know, Savage, as it does the Jake Roberts, George Wells thing, because you know, as, as these guys are coming in the company, they're moving up, and George Steele was kind of the first victim of savage to kind of and also with george Steele's first face turn um you know and, and accompanying skits on uh, tnt where you know he had like uh, uh, electroshock therapy and stuff it was it was kind of some funny decent stuff yeah yeah definitely uh, so, early, we'll
1: have for mention, George Wells took on Jake Roberts in the next match. Roberts going over on George Wells in three minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, you know, like you said, there was a little bit of history with that. Uh, so, you know, previously to this, we saw Piper and Bob Orton Sr., um, or Junior, excuse me, um, do, a, do a great promo. Uh, obviously, Piper obviously known for his mic skills. Um, you know, prepping the whole boxing match that they had with uh, 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 excuse me with Mr. T. Um, you know, a lot of things they are going through. He was saying, you know, he really wouldn't fly this <laughs> this day and age. Um, but you know, at the most for the most part, you know, Piper, you know, Piper was Piper. You know, there's no no beating him.
2: No, no beating him. Yeah, well, yeah, racism doesn't age well.
1: Yeah, yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah, that was that was
2: definitely um, tough to watch. Um, so, Matt, what
0: would you say as far as Roddy Piper? Would you would you agree that? And I know it's an arguable point, but would you agree that perhaps Roddy Piper was the uh,
2: perhaps greatest promo of all time? I mean, probably. I mean, people talk about Jake, or people talk about you know. Scott Hall, other people. But but Piper, look at him. You know, what, what is there to him besides um, uh, promo? And also his in-ring style being, you know, just this six-foot-tall brawler. It's all promo, you know. And, and also, it's worth mentioning that almost everybody that we've mentioned and almost everybody on the card, as I look down at it, were fantastic promos. But in, in an era where you needed promos to be great, Piper was head and shoulders above uh, almost all of them. I nice.
1: agree. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we saw Mr. T with uh, uh, with Joe Frazier and the Heaty Kid in this corner with uh, t- defeating Roddy Piper with Orton and uh, Lou Duva in this corner. Uh, you know, like you said, a lot of celebrities at this, but this was by DQ and the famous, uh, you know, Piper taking it to a wrestling match and body slamming Mr. T and, you know, you know, continuing the feud that they had at WrestleMania 1. Uh you know, but that was, that was the main event at the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, and there was real heat there. You yeah. know, Piper threw the stool um, across the ring. Uh, there was real heat there. They both hated each other in real life, Mr. T and Piper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously we saw that later on once they both went in the Hall of Fame eventually too, as well. So, um, but Michael, unless you got anything, I'll get over to the Rosemont. anything with the uh, Nassau? No, I mean agree and uh, as
0: Matt pointed out there was real life heat which you know it's it's we've seen it you know uh, well after Wrestlemania 2 I mean you think of Bret Hart Shawn Michaels immediately comes to mind and uh you know there's a reason why when there is real heat in between individuals that it does come off fantastic because you have that real passion uh into the storyline
1: yeah definitely definitely so you know, what uh, What became a, a staple in uh, the WWE later on was a Rosemont Horizon in Rosemont, Illinois. Just down the road from you, Matt, or, uh, Michael, but, uh, you know, we first saw the uh, women's championship match kick off the show, which saw the champion, the fabulous Moolah, taking on Velvet McIntyre. Uh, Moolah defeating Velvet McIntyre in a minute and 25 seconds. Uh, you know, this was the beginning of, uh, you know, Mula's reign, but um, you know, for a minute and twenty-five seconds, you know, you know, for it was what it was. You know, you can't really, you know, get go too much into it. Obviously, not being a longer match, but uh, you know, was what it was. what it was. Yeah, it was, I, what it was. I, 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 have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we'll move on. <laughs> so we had a uh, a a flag match, uh, first of a few that we saw in the company. We saw Corporal Kirchner taking on Nikolai Volkov, uh, which was he was accompanied by the great Freddie Blassie. Uh was Kirchner defeat Volkov in two minutes and five seconds. Um, you know, for like I said before, you know, having three locations, you couldn't have too many matches that lasted more <laughs> more than a couple minutes. Unfortunately, but. Uh, you know, to see Freddie Blassie at this point, you know, it's always good to see him. And obviously, we saw him later on uh, in the company as well, doing a lot of promos that he did, um, which we saw in the, uh, or back in our archives that we had the Invasion pay per view that we did. We saw Freddie Blassie make an appearance then as well. So,
2: so the deal with Kirshner is that uh, WWE is looking for its next Sergeant Slaughter. So Sergeant Slaughter was the guy along with hulk hogan leading up into wrestlemania one like he had fused with the sheik he turned face doing the um, you know the uh, uh the pledge of allegiance in front of a national audience after being a heel for a long time and then left for the awa because contract disputes he wanted also to be higher on the card which he felt he should be went to the awa got the gi joe deal meanwhile WWE. Vince's first kind of notion of let's replace the slot, let's replace the the guy, you know, we don't need slaughter, we just need a slaughter type person. Kircher was an attempt at that. They had vignettes, he had matches, he wore camouflage, he was a corporal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, this was all part of the bid to kind of of build up a Sergeant Slaughter-like character, hopefully to have the success that sergeant slaughter did uh i think history has shown that it did not work out exactly like that
1: yeah yeah definitely and you know trying to you know try to re re you know make another sergeant slaughter you can't you know he's good in his right mind but you know you try to make the best out of what you have but um so we'll move on with our wwe versus the nfl battle royal um You know, at this time, there's only really one guy that you could really, you know, put over in this battle royal. And, you know, it's the great Andre the Giant uh, defeating a very young uh, Bret Hart uh, last uh, in a 9-minute and 13-second battle royal. Uh, Not your typical battle royal that you'd see nowadays, but, you know, Andre the Giant, you know, there's... What can you say about him that hasn't already been said? Well,
2: Andre comes off of the... uh, One of the top or three matches in Wrestlemania 1 and uh, I believe this is right before he turns in one of the machines mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think it's it just Andre had to be protected Andre was doing less and less of going to the different territories so he was pretty much primarily working in, in, in for the WBF as well as Japan at the time so I guess the idea is you know you protect Andre and so sure they did because as a kid I remember coming out of like-
1: Uh show, which was for the tag team championships. We had the t- uh, team, the champions of the dream team, which is, uh, uh, we had Greg the Hammer Valentine and Brutus the uh, Barber Beefcake, who, uh, yeah, we won't get into that, but uh, we can say that was uh, Conrad Thompson's favorite wrestler, um, taking on the uh, British Bulldogs, which were accompanied by Lou Albano and uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Surprisingly enough, another celebrity at this point, which, you know, man, with your music background, I'm sure you're psyched to see Ozzy at this point. Yeah, it's still weird. Um, still strange, though. Like, why? I mean, Ozzy's British, I guess, right? So that's kind of the tying the thing. I, I even thought at the time it was a weird thing to have Albano be um,
2: paired up with the Bulldogs because he'd always been a heel manager. But Turning Face, along with George Animal Steel. Uh, They just kind of paired him with the Bulldogs Because the Bulldogs need someone to talk to Uh, Let's not sleep on the Beefcake At the time Mm. Because Beefcake at the time was hot Beefcake at the time uh, He was in Wrestlemania 1 facing David San Martino He was the young One of the young mid-card Heels Greg Valentine on the other hand Was just off of almost being the second Biggest feud in the company um, Facing uh, Tito Santana For the intercontinental title previous to WrestleMania 1. And so it was kind of languishing a little bit after that, but Valentine still had a lot of cachet, a lot of credibility at the time. Mm-hmm. So the, they were called the dream team for a reason. Like when when they were called the dream team, the fans didn't take it ironically. They they said, "Wow, this is a dream team." Mm-hmm. We're putting together this hot young heel, Bruce Cake with this veteran heel who, who was really carrying the second title of the of the company uh, for, for a while. And and Valiant was a very good manager, very good promo, um,
1: because, you know, Beefcake and Valentine weren't the best at that. Right, yeah, like you said, Beefcake being as young as he is at this point, you know, later on he became a pretty, like, a decent promo. mean obviously wasn't the best, but, you know, for the most part he was a, he was a fairly good promo. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> I, I, I would refer you to any promo he did with Hulk Hogan
2: where, like, he tried to look crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like him and Hogan are mad yeah. and they're going, we're going to get you. Like, it's literally the cringiest thing of all time. Uh, but uh, in the ring, though, persona-wise, the beefcake character, the bow tie, the whole thing, it, it was pretty over. Yeah.
1: Definitely. And obviously we saw that Bulldogs become the new champions. Uh, you know, you know, obviously with uh, Dynamite passing away last week, unfortunately, uh, you know, this was kind of ironic that we saw this this match here going through it now. Uh, but yeah, boy, could they go? You know, with Davy Boy and Dynamite Kid. You know, you didn't really, you, you didn't notice it at the time, but you know, two of the best guys
2: in the ring at the time. As a kid, it didn't get any better than the Bulldogs, right? Like. No.
0: you
1: Too. I didn't know I didn't get to uh, see the bulldogs until well, well after this as uh, you know uh, Michael and I talked about it before where Michael is a wily more of a wily veteran than than I so <laughs>
2: it, that's you want to
1: That, that was the main event of the Rosemont Horizon uh, 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 portion of the card. Uh, now we went over to the uh, LA uh, Memorial Sports Arena, uh, which, you know, for the most part, I think you're looking at it now, looking at it on paper, you know, that you're figuring, okay, LA, you're probably going to have the best out of the three uh, cards at this event. And for the most part, it pretty much was in my eyes, uh, we first saw Ricky the uh, Ricky Steamboat taking on Hercules Hernandez, uh, Steamboat going over Hernandez in uh, 7 minutes and 27 seconds. Uh, you know, at this point, you know, we didn't see the whole uh, Savage angle with Steamboat until later on, uh, but, you know, one of the best workers of all time, Steamboat, you know, you can't go wrong with any of his work. Well, here's the biggest. here's one of the biggest wasted opportunities, Mm -hmm. right, Steamboat
2: had been in WWF for a year, I actually remember watching NWA worldwide, which was on like a UHF channel, which was like kind of, kind of like, not cable, but for those of you that don't know, but it was like uh, AM radio for TV, and so I, in this very same day, I saw Steamboat on WWF because uh, the NWA was on a delay, but a year later, here he's taking on Hercules Hernandez, who was a big star in uh, World Class Championship Wrestling as well as some other um, you know, as well as some other places Florida, um, Steamboat had been there a year the next feud he was going to have though was not Savage, it was going to be Jake Roberts and so um, Jake Roberts and a uh, very memorable moment of um, you know, DDT uh, DDT um, Steamboat on the floor, which at the time was crazy stuff but um, Steamboat as you said, not just one of the great workers, one of the great sellers, uh, maybe the best pure baby face in the history of wrestling. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I mean... And it's funny you bring up UHF, Matt, because, you know, we have uh, RJ here, who's probably d- isn't familiar with that, but I am uh, much like yourself. And so you had the two dials. You had the what was it, the VHF and then you had the UHF.
2: So, um, yeah, those were definitely interesting times, along with rotary phones. Right. And so I just got cable. I already had cable at the time. But before that, you know, you had two dials. One was 13 And that was your regular channels. I lived in L.A. or L.A. area, so I got more channels than most. I probably had seven different channels, like the three networks and then like four a a local channel and then like maybe three other local channels that had syndicated programming on it. And then UHF would be the weaker signal local stations that would also buy, you know, shows or, or, or wrestling shows would buy time on them. And so that was where sometimes you would, that's where I would see world class for sure, um, wrestling, was on the UHF, but it was very much like an AM radio for um, for TV. So, so you were in the LA area at this time, Matt? Yeah, I was in uh, Orange County. And, and um, Orange County, which people don't think of in the LA area, but it's about 20 miles away. It's about three hours away if you're driving, but it's about 20 miles away. And, and I bring that up because, you know, we would get the local promos. So back then you'd watch Wrestling Challenge and then Mean Gene Okerlund, in, you know, would come out and say, "Okay, guys, coming up at the LA Sports Arena this month, we have Hulk Hogan versus Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff. Mr. Orndorff, come here and tell us how this match is going to go." So all the feuds you saw on TV, you would never see these guys wrestle ever. You would see each other. You would see Savage meet up a with Or you would see Orndorff beat up a jobber, Hogan do a promo. You would see one of these Saturday Night Main Event things where Hogan got beat up by somebody. But the matches you would see on the local shows. Finally, we see Piper versus Orndorff here in L.A. We're bringing it right to you in L.A. L.A. is our home. And, you know, Hulk Hogan would come out and go, let me tell you something, brother. When I'm here in Venice Beach, California, hanging and banging, you know, with my friends, and then I moved to New York when I was like, Uh, in ninth grade, just for a few months, you know? And then Hogan would be like, let me tell you something, brother, New York is my home when I'm out in New York, hanging and begging, you know? And so it's a lot like those lawyer commercials that are out now, you know, where they change the name of the lawyers, but it's like uh, the the commercials where someone's scared, you know, it's like they've hired Marson Harrison. Marks and Harrison but you go to New York they're like they've hired Smith and Wesson Smith and <laughs> Wesson it's it's a lot like the same thing but the localized promos I bring up because the sports arena in LA had matches every single month so like
0: the dynamic of you know the different local arenas they would go into um, and what's interesting here and the reason why I bring
1: being the younger younger guy on this panel i guess you could say is uh you know growing up you know i, I growing up in buffalo i'd catch a lot of the toronto canadian wrestling too whether it be uh, stampede or what have you but uh <laughs> you know it, 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 later on we obviously we got to say got the satellite dish so i'd catch you know you get superstars in the morning and then later at night you get the uh WCW Saturday Night, and go on and, and try to find you know the best wrestling as possible, and that's that's one of the times where I saw a uh, where I saw Ric Flair, which arguably for me anyways was is is the best wrestler of all time in my eyes.
2: But uh, it was fu- it was funny how you had to get past the studio audience, right? You're yeah. like, I'm used to seeing you know thousands of people in the audience. Now I have to watch. Is this guy a star, this Ric Flair guy, this Dusty Rhodes guy? Are these guys stars, even though there's only like 30 people in the audience? Yeah. And they were yeah. so good. They were so good that very quickly you forgot that they were in a studio. Yeah.
1: You know, and, and, and the same part, too. I, I, was trying, I was trying to ask questions to my parents, but they, they knew nothing about professional wrestling. Is My biggest issue was, how can they wrestle when the ring's moving? When they had that turnstile with a ring... I'm like, how the
2: heck can they do that? <laughs> yeah, that, you're talking about when they were in um, Florida and they had yeah. the rotating yeah. wing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was one. That was a uh, man. I, it definitely was a guy when, when um, WCW was owned by one of those non, after Turner bought it, by somebody who didn't understand wrestling, you know. Um, and that didn't last long. But my favorite match of that era is you can watch Kevin Sullivan against Edge. Before Edge was Edge, and um, Kevin Sullivan just beating the holy crap out of him as their string is just spinning around. It's the worst <laughs> thing you've ever seen. Was that well, was that during the was that the Jim Hurd era? It, it could have been Jim Hurd. It could have been uh, Kip Fry. Um, I'm not sure. I know it was. It definitely wasn't like Olie or like Flair or. Dusty had the book and it had the control and said, or even Bischoff, and said, "Hey, let's have the, the ring spin. This is a great idea."
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like like you said, when you have people that don't uh, don't know the business, that's unfortunately sometimes you sometimes run the gamut. But
2: uh-huh. if I'm if I'm just thinking out loud here, I'm thinking it's a TV guy who doesn't understand wrestling who's going, if the ring spins. The, the hot camera gets all the angles, you know? I think, I'm pretty sure that's that, that's what it would be. Whereas, you know, somebody who goes like, Bobby Eaton's gotta go off the top rope. He's like, um, dude, and you know, not to go off too much on a tangent, but I kind of wondered about the Jericho cruise because when they're going off the top rope there, you got a ship, right? That's <laughs> just shifting
0: from side to side the whole way. That must've been very challenging. Yeah, no, I, I actually, uh, same uh, line of thinking there, Matt. I was thinking the same exact thing.
1: <laughs> so we'll go on to uh, move on to the next couple matches. You know, the next couple matches were kind of, you know, you know, they're on the card. We had Adrian Adonis taking on Uncle Elmer. Uh, Jimmy Hart, uh, the great Jimmy Hart, was accompanying uh, Adrian Adonis to the ring. Adrian Adonis went over Uncle Elmer in three minutes, uh, you know, bell had to ring you know adrian adonis later on was uh you know the veteran that he was um taking on numerous people but
2: so i'll give you a little backstory on this as well um just to kind of hip you up adonis was this new york badass um that was in a tag team with dick murdoch but also was in a tag team called the east west connection with jesse the body ventura in awa in wwe comes in he always had a briefcase that said uh what was it called? It said, trust with Trudy, something with Trudy. It was always something nobody knew, but he's a New York badass. Well, it turns out it was him being kind of a cross-dresser, kind of gay. Um, and I think that reflected real life as well. So Adonis came out with this over-the-top gay character, terrible eyeliner, terrible just everything. He's very obese at the time. Elmer, on the other hand, was someone they brought in because – hillbilly jim was brought in as this great kind of baby face um, gee you know you know G, y'all i'm ready to kick some butt but hillbilly jim got injured so they brought in uncle elmer and cousin luke guys to kind of keep the hillbilly thing going keep hillbilly jim on screen elmer at wrestlemania one had the quickest match in the history of of um of wrestle wbf um and uh so it was kind of a big deal to have adonis at the time with this new character come back and go over the previously
1: dominant uncle elmer who also had his wedding live on saturday night's main event (laughs) you know look look, thank god for the network i actually went back and watched that you know and i'm like oh wow that was interesting (laughs) (laughs)
2: um Back a lot of the camp, a lot of the corniness, a lot of the production, the in the face promos, the cutaway production, the crash TV style. You can take it right back to that Saturday night's main event showings, even though it's just corny and really hard to watch. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, moving on to our next match, we saw Haas and Terry Funk with Jimmy Hart once again taking on uh, the Junkyard Dog JYD and Tito Santana. An interesting pair with uh, Santana and Junkyard Dog, if I uh, may interject.
2: <laughs> so, you know, the deal with that is, Haas Funk is Dory Funk Jr. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think they wanted to call him Dory Funk, Dory Funk Jr. Because, you know, they don't, you know, they didn't want to bring to light all this. Uh, these guys were NWA World Heavyweight Champions, both of them, Terry Funk and Dory. Junkyard Dog was huge. He was over like Grover.
1: me if I'm wrong, but pretty much would be the main event of of the whole, all all three uh, locations was uh, the champion Hulk Hogan taking on King Kong Bundy in a steel cage. And uh, the steel cage, you know, it's not a steel cage you see today. You can, Old Blue, that would be later named. Um, But, you know, whether it was Mismatched or what have you, King Kong Bundy at this time, with Bobby Heenan in his corner, was you know the heel uh, of the
2: time. It, it was the beginning of this whole notion of let's bring in some monsters for Hulk Hogan to beat, right? And so, combined with the the rate of the AWA, which at this time is pretty much complete, um, Bundy was a guy who came up through world class. Um, and then, you know, shaved his head and was still in world class and then did some stuff in AWA um, tagging with Jerry Blackwell, who about the same size. And then I guess uh, Vince saw something in Bundy where they said, okay, it's about March, this is the guy, let's do an angle where he, he destroys Hulk Hogan in the ring. Of course, Heenan is always at the epicenter of anything against Hulk Hogan at the time. So it worked, I'd say, you know,
1: fun for me anyways you know going back and looking at it you know at this time unfortunately I can't I don't remember too much of it as I was uh I was two years old at this time so obviously I don't know a lot about it but going back and watching it with the network you know you start to see stuff you know going back and I get the old old wrestling figures at the time I actually had an old blue cage well plastic cage to go on that ring and it's like you always relive those types of matches and this was one of them.
2: So here's the funny thing about wrestling now, right? Because now that I'm involved in this world, and I did a freaking signing last week, which is just the most stupid, ridiculous thing ever. (laughs) But people paid for pictures and and autographs of me and Robbie E. And Bundy was there, right? And I've also ran into one-man gang, Akeem, before. And Michael Berry can can tell you, uh, as we work together at StarCast, I'm not a small person. Like conrad thompson is not a small person i'm taller and bigger than conrad and i am taller and bigger than king kong bundy and one man gang which is, is is an amazing thing to me because at the time you're thinking these guys are six foot seven monsters i'd say that bundy is about six foot two I would say that he might have been six four at one time, mm-hmm. and I would say that Akeem One Man Gang is about six foot one, and maybe it was about six three, six four at the time. But when you look at him on TV, Bundy looks like he is seven feet tall.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but but at, yeah. This, at this time too, though, you know, you have to take into account the time too. where at this time in 1986, you know, six foot two, six foot one was was big. You know, and you didn't want to have you know guys making Hogan look small. You know, true. But you know, Hogan might be six, 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 seven. But also,
2: it was much more common to be six foot one or six foot two or six foot three than it was to be the British bulldogs. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. who were about five nine, five ten. Um, that's why they had to pack on so much muscle. Uh, it was the kind of the beginning of of the land of giants so to speak uh you know there is you, you, if you look at randy savage randy savage always did this thing if you watch him in the ring where he was on his toes you ever seen that where he's mm-hmm. he's always on his toes when he locks up he's on his toes and people say that was because he wanted to make himself look taller
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: definitely yeah no that's i i would
2: definitely agree and i think you know, it really speaks to Vince,
0: and Vince takes a lot of, of, of hits and criticism today, as I would say some, you know, warranted. But, uh, you know, back then, really, Vince, in this era, they had to come off as larger than life, so he did. Uh, you know, second to none, Vince McMahon was able to get his talent. cards are guys remember the days when you were always ready to go now you can increase your performance and
1: pretty much what we're going to do you know Matt you can definitely go first being our guest Um, you know basically go down wherever whatever location you want to start at and just run down your your three matches for that location I I had okay. Yeah, I can. Sure, I can
0: start. So, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off uh, much like it was formatted. We're going to start off in New York at the Nassau Coliseum, uh, and I'll give you uh, my three matches here. Um, so, the, the opening match, I'm actually going to uh, book. Jake the Snake Roberts and he's going to go up against the Junkyard Dog um, and this is going to kind of we're going to go with a snake versus dog gimmick here um, and kind of you know bring some anim- animalistic qualities into it um, I will have uh, Jake the Snake Roberts going over with the most devastating DT, uh, DDT in the history of wrestling and um, you know, so I think that would be a good way to kind of start off and get the crowd hot in New York. Um, then my, my next matchup is going to be uh, kind of interesting, and I may be far off base here, but I wanted to try it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Bruno San Martino. I'm going to put him in a individual match against Greg the Hammer Valentine uh, just because I feel like there's name value there with Bruno uh, in the New York crowd. Uh, so you know, I'm going to go ahead, and um, Bruno's going to go over in this match over Greg the uh, Hammer Valentine. Valentine. Uh, You know, this is going to be a very physical match. Um, May even get color, as they say. Um, I think it was more widely accepted back then uh, to do so. Uh, And you're going to see kind of a a slobber knocker, as the great Jim Ross would call it. Uh, And we're going to go ahead and have Bruno San Martino end up victorious. And then. For the main event for this card, I think that was the draw in of itself. Maybe it didn't come off the greatest, but I thought for the time in the air and what it was, um, I, I, I'm not really going to uh, change really much about anything of the Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, and Mr. T boxing match, as it were. Uh, the only thing I would change is that I would have Roddy Piper go over. I would have him find a way to kind of pull uh, the wool over the referee's eyes and have him get like a, a cheap uh, victory. And heat. Um, main motivation there would be that Mr. T eventually is going to go away and Roddy Piper stay and he's a heel. And we want to kind of continue. I mean, not that he needed to be built up much more, but I'm going to go ahead and give Roddy Roddy Piper the win. Also because, you know, I'm
2: booking this as a, a huge fan of Roddy Roddy Piper.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, that sounds excellent. Mm.
1: Thank you. <laughs> and you're welcome. Of course. Well, come on, I was waiting for it, Michael. Come on, man. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> so I got to try to challenge myself with mine. You know, I, I know you guys probably went crossed over, but I tried to keep uh, each event with the guys that were at that location, try to challenge myself. And, uh, yeah, boy, it was a challenge. Um, my first match for the Nassau Coliseum was featured uh jake the snake roberts taking on bob orton jr uh just kind of a little interesting thing kind of mix it up a little bit with uh bob orton jr going over on uh jake roberts uh you know bob orton being you know wrestlemania one was in new york try to keep that new york flavor kind of remind you guys of wrestlemania one um But with uh, Bob Orton still playing up that, uh, you know, superplex off the top and still, miraculously enough, still having that broken arm. Um, My second match, uh, I didn't, I like this match. For the competitors, uh, you know, I wanted a little different uh, uh, result was Paul Orndorff versus the uh, magnificent Morocco. But in this case, I had Morocco going over uh, Paul Orndorff, just, you know, taste test of strength. You know, we saw later on Paul Orndorff, you know, turning heel, Morocco being, you know, that staple in the New York area uh, for years to come. And, you know, Morocco going over uh, uh, Paul Orndorff in a hell of a match. Um And then my main event, you know, I wasn't a big fan of, you know, the whole Mr. T and Roddy Piper angle. Not to say it wasn't great for what it was, but, you know, for my rebooking, I wanted to see the uh, Intercontinental Championship being put up for grabs uh, with uh, Randy Savage going against Roddy Piper. Uh, Being a big Piper fan, you know, later on in life, uh, you know, watching his stuff back on. Uh, I saw Randy Savage going over uh, uh, Roddy Piper with the IC t- championship on the on the line. So that, that would be my Nassau Coliseum. So
2: when I'm thinking of New York, you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to um, uh, go with um, – well, let me start at the bottom of the card. I think Adrian Adonis, once again, was being built up to face Roddy Piper before he turned heel – or before uh, – Piper comes back. He disappears after this. He comes back as a face. He faces Adonis. I like all that. I like Adonis going over Hillbilly Jim. Mm-hmm. Hillbilly Jim was in the uh, Battle Royal, so i take him out of that mm-hmm. and maybe mm-hmm. uh, blow that up. Um,
1: To your next location? Oh.
0: Second match, uh, the build up, so we're going to get a, a little bit of a different situation here. Uh, we're going to actually have the Hart Foundation come in as the tag team champions. We're going to find a way to get the belt on them, and they're going to defend against the British Bulldogs. Um, You're still going to have Ozzy Osbourne's uh, involvement here. Uh, You'll have Jimmy Hart who will be uh, alongside the Hart Foundation. I'm not sure if he was at this time, to be quite honest, but we'll we'll find a way to get him here. And you're going to see the British Bulldogs uh, and and the Hart Foundation, two of the legendary tag teams of WWF lore, uh, kind of go at it. And the British Bulldogs are going to be victorious and be Federation Tag Team Champions to do away with the battle royal may not be a popular choice with some but i'm basically going to have a match between the iron Sheik and andre the giant as i stated earlier i feel like andre the G- was the big draw here uh you're gonna have the iron Sheik doing his tactics uh, his underhanded tactics and really trying to do you know what, what he can uh to find an advantage but andre the giant being you know uh legend that he was, uh, is going to be victorious um, over the Iron
1: Sheik here, and he will go over in the main event for Chicago. Excellent. Excellent. Alright, so uh, you know, Rosemont, you know, like I said before, was, you know, this cornerstone of things to come in the future for the WWE, WWF, have you. Um, I'm going to start off with a match. Take uh, Bret Hart out of the Battle Royal, and put him with uh, his uh, his brother-in-law, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, in his corner in a singles match against Nikolai Volkov. You know, we wanted to, in my eyes, we wanted to get Bret Hart over, you know, earlier on, try to get him over as a single, but with Anvil. Um, but, you know, with Nikolai Volkov, get him to go over on Bret Hart, but still get him over at the same time. Uh, You know the excellence, the early signs of the excellence of executioner. Um, You know later on we'd see him, but um, Nikolai Volkov going over Brett the Hitman Hart with the anvil in his corner um, for the first match. My second match, I kind of wanted to get that Chicago flavor with William the Refrigerator Perry, but I didn't really want to get him in a match. Um, But I did have Andre the Giant. You know, like Michael mentioned, the big draw at this time. Going against uh, Big John Studd, I was always a big fan of Gen- or Big John Studd. I had his action figure growing up, um, so I'm gonna have William the Refrigerator Perry in John Studd's corner. Uh, William Perry getting involved in some sort of way to cost Andre the Giant the match. I hated doing it, but you know, I put John Studd over Andre the Giant at this time. But you know, nobody loses in this match. Um, My main event for the Rosemont Horizon, I'm not going to change it whatsoever. I'm going to have the British Bulldogs going over the Dream Team to become the uh, WWF Tag Team Champions uh, with uh, uh, the Valentine and Beefcake, you know, continuing um, some sort of feud with them because two great workers, you know, great guys in the ring. You know, I wanted to kind of see the Valentine and Beefcake match uh, down the road, too. So, my main event for the Rosemont, British Bulldogs going over the Dream Team. Wow, well, you guys you guys got, got, uh, uh, got some good cards there. Yeah. You know, and I think one thing
2: we're in agreement with in a lot of cases is that the refrigerator was a huge figure at that time, and I think he needs to be in the Chicago show. But I'm going to start at the, at the bottom in a way. You know, uh, Ricky Steamboat had been in uh, WrestleMania 1, Um, Nikolai Volkov, even though he'd been around already for 100 years, um, was kind of the big foreign threat at the time, along with Iron Sheik. But as you know, in my card, he's facing Mr. T in the Garden. So I'm going to have Ricky Steamboat doing the kind of pro-America thing, taking on Nikolai Volkov. And it will be a good way to kind of, you know, Volkov doesn't need the win. Steamboat is still on the way up. But it gives him an angle to work towards. Um, instead of you know just facing Hercules Hernandez, who's like this big threat, um, Jake Roberts at the time was kind of new to the company. Jake the Snake Roberts, and it was important for him to kind of show that he's this up and, co- and this guy who's going to be in the in the main events. And so, what better person to go against than the ultimate babyface Tito Santana? Of course, Roberts would probably go over, do the whole snake gimmick. It's You know, it it would be fantastic. Um, Maybe that might be better for LA because of kind of there's a lot more um, of a Latin population in LA, and Tito was big in LA, but we're going to use it for there. And then the Hart Foundation are together at this point as a tag team, they're new.
0: A strong showing by uh, King Kong Bundy. Bundy, sorry, I keep butchering his last name. Uh, you know, and, and really, you know, Bundy was someone who was, I believe, at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, because uh, you would know better than I, who's a very established heel. Um, and I think this would give a very good rub to uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf as a face. So moving on to uh my next match and so you know this is a match that we actually saw at wrestlemania 3 um but i couldn't resist booking it for wrestlemania 2 and that is none other than the macho man randy savage uh the intercontinental champion at the time taking on ricky the dragon steamboat um and you know i just i think the world of that wrestlemania 3 match obviously you know i'm, I'm really uh risking it here because uh, wrestle, the Wrestlemania 3 match was such a legendary match but um, I think we could definitely build the story in a similar fashion leading up and in, into Wrestlemania 2. You would have Elizabeth and Macho Man Randy Savage's corner and you would mm-hmm.
1: You there Michael? Nope. Alright well is... We'll, we'll have to get back with him. Mike, you there, bud? you oh, there, bud? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I cut off? off? Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, you might, you might want to go over your last match or two.
1: Yeah. Oh, gotcha. you. Okay. So uh,
0: I don't know how much of you, you guys heard it, uh, but I had uh, Randy Macho Man Savage versus uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat pushing it up a year. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're going to have Elizabeth in Savage's corner. You're going to have Georgie Animal Steel in Ricky Steamboat's corner. And, uh, you, you know, Macho Man's going to be the Intercontinental Champion here. Uh, we're going to see a misstep by Georgie Animal Steel, which is going to cost Steamboat the match, unfortunately. And Macho Man Randy Savage will retain his Intercontinental Championship. All right. Uh, And then my main event So when I thought about the main event You think about Hulk Hogan, you're not moving him off the main event For obvious reasons I'm thinking we can give him a better foil A better heel, and a better situation So when I thought about it I really, you know, really thought about What I know I kind of moved out of the WWF bubble here And the foil for Hulk Hogan Is going to be none other than Terry Funk Mania 2 and uh, basically in Terry Funk's corner you would have Bobby the Brain Enon and and then you know you're going to have those guys kind of doing their antics outside of the cage and really making it difficult for Hulk Hogan to be able to escape the cage Uh, but Hulk Hogan as Hulk Hogan always does will overcome and uh, he will stand tall as the World Wrestling Federation champion your winner Hulk Hogan
1: Awesome. Yeah, I think you're playing, uh, you must have uh, some shoddy service over there, Michael, huh? You got to get some Hogan dust spr- sprinkled on you. Not uh,
0: not, not, quite as shoddy service as you have up there in Canada, pal. Yeah, well, when in Canada. Anyways. So, I mean, you're a Buffalo Bills fan, so I do feel sorry for you.
1: Yeah, well, I'm used to it by now. Um, <laughs> so my L.A. card started off. Like I mentioned, trying to figure out, you know, people that stayed on this card, kind of challenged myself. I took uh, the Junkyard Dog taking on Hercules Hernandez. You know, a lot of meat, a lot of muscle. You know, I wanted to see Hercules and JYD go at it for a number number of years. We saw it later on. I'll have Hercules Hernandez going over JYD, you know, trying to make this LA card as big as possible. Um, you know, to try to get that Hogan dust sprinkled on this event. Uh, But I'll have Hercules Hernandez going over JYD. Uh, My second match, you know, you can't go wrong with either one of these, you know, former champions, uh, Terry Funk taking on Tito Santana. Uh, Tito Santana I'm going over on Terry Funk, but, you know, you're going to get one of those type of matches that, you know, you're going to go, you're going to go hard, and you ain't going to stop until somebody's going to be laying. Uh, Tito Santana going over. Terry Funk. And then, Michael, you mentioned it too. You can't go wrong with, you can't take Hogan off the main event on this card by any means. But I am going to have him put his WWF championship on the line against Ricky the Dragon, or not the Dragon Steamboat at this time, but Ricky Steamboat. You know, one of the better, you know, obviously two faces at this time, but when you look at it, it's best for business. You got Hogan, the parental babyface, going against another babyface Steamboat. But at the end of the day, as as you hear a lot, Hogan must pose. Hogan goes over steamboat in a uh, uh, match of the match uh, of the century.
2: So uh, that's interesting. You know, they didn't do a lot of face face stuff then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, matter of fact, they kept the faces far away from each other, and they would just buddy up each other. So that's an interesting approach. You yeah. think?
1: You know, you you got it. At the end of the day, you got especially in LA being obviously three being three major markets. LA, you know, you're gonna probably gonna get the most most amount out of the fans, and you kind of wanna you know get the best best for business later on.
2: Yeah. So, so uh, oh, I'm sorry, Michael. Go ahead. No, no, no I mean,
0: I, I the only thing I would I would say is you know really when looking at that Hogan money hand over fist regardless, right? I do think it's an interesting approach. Yeah. Um, the only thing I think where you might kind of cut yourself off there is that you have Steamboat, as Matt referenced, who uh, was a, a face who I I believe, it, Matt, you would know better than I, once again, that uh, was able to draw. And uh, so you would kind of walk away from each other. But I
1: understand, you know, obviously we're having fun with it. And, you know, I, I would see that as definitely an interesting match. Mm-hmm. So when I'm looking at this
2: L.A., uh, match you have Hogan on the card, so if you have Hogan on the card, you get to kind of maybe have a little bit of a weaker card underneath it because you've got Hogan on it. Mm-hmm. I tried not to do that. Um, Don the Rock Morocco, he wasn't the Rock, but he at the time, but he was a former Intercontinental Champion. He did have a lot of credibility, so much so as you see in the original booking, he did a double count out with one of the hottest, biggest stars, Paul Mr Wonderful Orndorff. Uh, There's a guy who came from the AWA who's in the Battle Royal, and uh, he was a guy, one of the many people they brought in to replace Ricky Steen, or excuse me, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Snuka murdered somebody, so, you know, they kind of took him off TV, and so, but they tried to replace him with a lot of lookalikes, so they had uh, the Tonga Kid come in. The Tonga Kid was a guy who was um, you might know him as the Samoan Savage. Uh, he's a fantastic wrestler. He was on the Samoan SWAT team. He was also in the um, the Samoans that were in WWF later on. Uh, he was great. Uh, they brought in a guy named CV Afi, who looked like Snuka, dressed like Snuka, was terrible. And then they brought in this guy, King Tonga from the AWA, who was big. He was... Um, Mobile. he did a lot of kicks he could jump off the top rope and we later got to know him as Meng or Haku and so this guy King Tonga I have him as a baby is a baby face, young snooker like guy facing on Don Morocco as an opener um
1: That's one hell of a card. Yeah, I, yeah, I got to give a round of applause on that. Uh, Love but, it. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, for WrestleMania two just to close up, you know, it was the first time, like I mentioned before, it was the first time we saw the three events, uh, excuse me, the three different venues. Um, I, it's probably something we're never going to see again, obviously, but, uh, you know, never rule it out at this point. You never know in wrestling. But, um, you know, to close up, Matt, you know, obviously a lot of people listen to the shows but just give a brief rundown of what uh, where everybody can get you well thanks a lot dude Um, and it's worth mentioning as you might say that I have a lot to be thankful
2: for and I'm very thankful for someone named Conrad Thompson and people know I work hard and people know I do a lot but I'm very lucky in the fact that the person i chose to work hard for his name was conrad and through conrad i got a lot of opportunities to work with a lot of people and meet fine people like yourselves mm-hmm. so i always like to give a shout out to that guy outside of the bubble where he makes fun of me and where he <laughs> makes up lies about me um <laughs> conrad is uh, someone who without i would not uh be uh doing any of this stuff you know and Mm -hmm. and uh that's the reality but right now and i think god for the foreseeable future because i can't imagine taking on anything more (laughs) why it ended with robbie e we interview people and it's why it ended now sometimes it's why it ended their careers why it ended their WWE run in this in this next week's case it's why it ended why david arquette will never do death matches again (laughs) you know so um you know, so our next interview is David Arquette. Love David Arquette, mm. personally, professionally. I'm a fan. I taught drum songs. I taught songs on drums that were named after his sister uh, named Rosanna, and uh, I love David Arquette. So why it ended with Robbie E? We're really starting to step it up lately. We had some great interviews, Chris Masters we have been told we were responsible for Muhammad Hassan coming back to the ring. Um, because of the interview we did, we've really done a lot of good. And also we may have, uh, we may have kind of done something to help out the beefcake Hogan relationship. So, um, it's really a really great show. Of course, Robbie E is Robert Strauss. That dude is going to the moon with a rocket six months ago. A lot of people know he did a tryout for NXT and, um, coming up next month, he's going to be on the Titan Games with someone named The Rock uh, on NBC, which is like, uh, you know, it's like Ninja Warrior on steroids. It's going to be a great show. So uh, as long as I have Robbie, I'm going to do a show with him. He's the best and, you know, he's going to be a worldwide star at some point. And of course, everybody's talking about Truth With Consequences with Vince Russo. And with Vince, I'm not a Vince Russo fan. I'm not a Vince Russo guy. But I thought he had a great podcast in him if he didn't have someone there who was just agreeing with everything he said. And it's turned out that way. We make some controversy. We disagree on stuff. Vince is Vince, but he's got a guy with him, me, who will argue with him and who will try to bring out, as as, uh, Michael said, the best show possible because the thing with Vince is he's misunderstood in a lot of ways. So when he says something that we think is stupid or we think is tone-deaf or we think is offensive, a couple follow-up questions by someone who's arguing with him, like me, usually yields... a better answer and actually better articulation and actually a better sense of understanding so that is truth with consequences with vince russo and of course white ended with robbie e and um i think that's all i will ever do ever again because i have no more time in my life
1: (laughs) i completely understand that and you know it's uh i can't speak for michael even though i like to sometimes but Um, you know big fans of both both shows definitely it's definitely on my on my short list of podcasts to listen to Um, and you know first and foremost we appreciate you coming on I know you're a busy guy and we appreciate you coming on the show um, and uh, you know letting us uh, kind of pick your brain wrestling brain so to speak
2: well I definitely appreciate being on of course I've enjoyed being on your other show. And I think a lot of you as a uh, podcast host and, you know, it's hard to get these things going. Of course, Michael, someone I got to meet at StarCast and someone who I think has also has a big future in podcasting. You know, so you guys keep going on and, and I'll keep supporting you guys. I appreciate your support. And if there's anything I can do, let me know.
1: Appreciate the kind words. Yeah, we, we, we really appreciate you coming on the show, Matt, um, and we really appreciate the kind words, and I definitely, for one, very much appreciate yeah. uh, your two podcasts, so keep going strong. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. And as always, let the revisionist revolution begin.